0: Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Uh, But today, I want to talk to you. Such an odd title, but it's the only way I knew how to title what the Lord was speaking to me. And it may turn into a series. I don't know yet, but today I want to speak to you about Imitation God. And how many of you know that Dr. Thunder is not as good as Dr. Pepper? I'm not buying it. You may, you may bought that, but I'm definitely not buying that it's better. I know some of you are like, oh, it's better. Okay, whatever. So, anyways, there's some things that is the imitation that is better. And I have found that out. People's proved me wrong. Should try it's better. I'm like, that is better. Most of the time, it's not. It's just not. Even in the pharmaceutical world, people will say, you know, it's not as good. If I pay more money and get. The, you know, the other stuff, but the imitation's cheaper, so it works. work. But sometimes it does. I mean, I'm not saying every time, but most of the time we know, just in the natural, imitation is not as good as the real thing. And there's just certain things. I don't even want any part of it unless I can get the real thing. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to go for the imitation, or yeah, I'll wait until I can do that. But imitation is something that's usually cheaper. But how many knows it's not always better? And then not only that, when it comes to imitation, um, it comes with sometimes such a small price. But spiritually speaking, when we talk about imitation of God, and the thought I'm going with today on imitation, that many times we do more work for the imitation. Amen. And it's less work for the real, genuine God. But we do more work for the imitation. And the reason why it's easier to do the imitation is the devil's not going to fight you when you're doing the imitation. But he definitely is going to give you resistance when you go for the real thing. So that's the difference. It's definitely easier, a lot less work to go for the real genuine God that he is. And I'm going to show you some things scripturally today that I've never seen in this light before, but we're going to have fun with it. But a lot of times what happens is we settle in our relationship with God there's anything I tell young people today, don't settle for anything. Dream big. Go big. Work hard at it. Make the sacrifices you to make. Go after it. That's, I mean, it's just what I would just tell people but also with our relationship with God a lot of times, without knowing it, without really knowing that's happening, that we come to a place of settling. That we just say, well, I'm just going to get in a seat and I'm going to relax. The next thing you know, no longer is God in the morning of your life and then there's just other things that begin to creep in. And a lot of times we do that, but we begin to serve the things of God and not the God of all the things. All right? So we, we, we serve the things of God and not the God of all. What do you mean by that? Well, God created everything in this world, right? But many times we will give priority to the things in the world than we will of God in our life. And have I been guilty? I told nine A.M. service. I've been guilty before. I have put ministry before my family, before before God. You mean you put ministry before God? You better believe you can. You can go and do the ministry, still be praying and all that, but ministry be your God, and and not. It's like an imitation. Don't fulfill what happened to me in that season when I was doing that. Is that I was working so hard and I was so frustrated and I was hardly getting anything done that when I finally surrendered back to God, everything I wanted to see happened that I felt like God put in in my heart began to happen so much easier because God was just operating and working in my life. But this struggle of humanity as far as allowing an imitation of God to come into our life has always happened. We can find it all throughout scripture. Think about Eve in the garden, she had everything, but God said, stay away from one tree. She said, well, that tree's going to make me like God. So what does she do? She had a relationship with God. When well, God would come down to the pool of the day, talk with them, walk with them. She had such a relationship. But there came a time that no longer did that seem like it was enough for her. But she had to go for something else. So she went for an imitation God. And how she found out how much death came in spiritually for her. Moses also, when he went up to the mountain... Get The Ten Commandments. He's up there hearing from God, getting revelation, getting inscribed. Ten Commandments. God showed up speaking. The whole time he's gone, they're having a party down there. He comes down to, they took the gold, melted up, made false gods, images, and he gets mad, breaks the Ten Commandments. You know, he, he, he does all that. And we find that they just wanted an imitation of God. But why did they do that when they knew the God of the Red Sea, the part of the Red Sea, and God was feeding them manna from heaven. I mean, just raining from heaven, just just bread coming down. I mean, heavenly manna just coming down to feed them. And all that all of a sudden became not enough. All of a sudden, and then they allow an imitation in their life. We find it with Judas. He walked with Christ. He did miracles with Christ. Christ would send people or the disciples out two by two to heal the sick and see lepers cleansed and, and see blinded eyes open and the rich people and to, and, and to give uh, things to the poor and just to preach the gospel. He was anointed to do all that. He's in relationship with, with Jesus. But one day, a pocket full of money was more than that relationship the pocket full of money became an imitation. And then we find Demas. He served alongside with the apostles. In fact, you can find his name mentioned about three times in the New Testament in the writings of Paul or others. And we see that Luke, Mark, and Paul are people they traveled with. But Paul wrote to Timothy one day and said, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of his life and has gone to Thessalonians. So in other words, all of a sudden, God wasn't enough the work in the ministry wasn't even enough, that he decided, you know what, there's something else. I I love the world. He, He accepted an imitation, and it's so easily done. And many times it happens, and we don't even mean to. It just seeks in. Today we're going to be looking and talking about a man by the name of Nicodemus, and we're going to look at him through a lens that's differently than salvation. Because a lot of times people look at him and the, the whole passage that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. That passage is connected to the story of Nicodemus. In fact, that's Jesus just telling him everything. And, and, and that's some of the last things that Jesus was saying to him, which is, you know, the, the, the gospel message in one verse, John three sixteen. But before we can get in John 3, we have to look at John 2, what brought Nicodemus. And it's the end of John 2. In the New Living Translation, here we go. Verse 23, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature because he had flesh as well in human nature. For he knew what was in each person's heart. He knew deeper than just the human nature. He knew the spirit of man. He knew the heart of man. And and let me give you what's happening in the Scripture, all right? People are admiring Jesus. They are are just clapping. They they give him all the applause. They, They absolutely adore him. Why? Well, miracles are taking place. Spectacular things are happening. The supernatural is taking place. And many believed in his name. And when they saw the signs, Jesus knew that this was sin and superficial belief. They was believing because they were happy. They knew something was great about Jesus, and they seen miracles, so they were like, man, this is wonderful. But yet they wasn't connected to him in relationship. So the belief, yes, some belief's better than no belief. Some faith is better than no faith. And the Bible says that God has handed or given to every man a measure of faith. So they believed on Jesus, but not further than the surface, just knowing that he could do many signs and wonders and miracles. And here they are admiring the spectacular. And this kind of faith, as I said, is better than no faith, but it's weak. And it could be persuaded depending how the winds blow it. And we see this in Scripture because one week they would be saying before Jesus was crucified, they would say, Hosanna, save now. They was treating him as a king. The same people a week later were saying crucify him. So the wind blew differently a few days later and their voice changed. So the faith that we need needs to be deeper than just our emotions taking us from one place to the other. Jesus knew what was in man, but he still loved them. He still loves us. He knew that even when we gave our heart to him that there would be failures. That we would mess up. would not be perfect. He knew that that's humanity, that's what's wrapped up in humanity, is that we have that possibility in us, even at our best, we have that possibility in us, and he knows our worst parts, yet he also sees our future, and he sees the finished product in us, and he even sees the image of his father when we're serving him, even in those moments of failure, See, Jesus was not dependent upon man's approval. Even though many believed on him, did not mean he committed himself to them. In fact, that's what we read in the scripture all ago. That he knew them it didn't mean he had to commit to them. Can I tell you, when God can trust what's in your heart towards him, the way he will commit himself to you is unreal, it's supernatural. And for every stage you get on in life, the blessing that God meets you with because of the trust he has in your heart and the character you have towards him. He knows when you really are given what you believe is your best and all in him. And you want to live for God and put him first. But he also knows when you may have everybody else full, but you don't have him full. Okay? So Jesus did not commit himself to all those folks. But all of a sudden, Out of that day, no doubt, he knew that Nicodemus was there. And I'm not going to get to the scripture yet, but I'm building to John 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and who is this man? I mean, who is Nicodemus? I mean, he's a rich ruler; He is the ruler of the Jews. He's a member of the Sanhedrin court. He's a religious man. He's part of the Pharisees. He's highly educated. He is an influencer of his day. There's a new thing today, an influencer. There's people getting paid to be an influencer, right? I'm like, sign me up. I want to influence somebody. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm messing with you, all right? Got to have some fun. But then Nicodemus, here he was impressed by Jesus, but I believe it was more than just that's incredible. No, something got in his spirit for him to go to Jesus. Nicodemus, here he comes to Jesus, and Nicodemus' name in the Greek, which means victory of the people, he was groomed to be part of the Sanhedrin court, which was a big deal. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Older in age. He was groomed from the time he was a kid, teenager, young adult. All his life, he was groomed to be where he's at in life. But something about it was just an imitation and not genuine. See, the Pharisees and people like Nicodemus, they had all these rules. In fact, if they didn't like what you did, they even went and made up a rule. They got in the court. We didn't say this. They make it up. How many knows today that we're not saved by our works or how good we are? But we're only saved by grace, and it's freely received, right? Freely given, freely received. We receive it, and and, and there's nothing we can do to work for it. But because I'm saved, and because of grace in my life, He empowers me, and it's joy for me to do the works that I do in the kingdom of God. I don't do works to keep God happy. I cannot make God unhappy. All right, I'm not going to make Him unhappy today. I'm not going to upset the apple cart with God. God's never taken by surprise. He never says, "Oh, Scotty." Mm. Mmm. Mm. I ain't gonna talk to you for a few days. Uh-uh. Mm. Gabriel, you tell me the rest of it. I'm gonna look away. No, no that's not the way. He's not surprised. And here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus Jesus, let me tell you, is not surprised. He knows who's in his crowd. But then he knows that he's probably gonna come back. Home. So in John 2, the miracles take place, but that night, we open up at John 3, and perhaps here we find that, why would Nicodemus go to Jesus at night? Now, I've heard this preached before, and I just sat back, and I'm like, why would he preach it that way, but I'm going to do it my way, okay? So perhaps he went to him because he was timid. Perhaps he went to Jesus because he's passive, whatever. Maybe he was trying to go at night so he would protect his reputation, but none of those satisfy me. I don't like those. And that's what I've always heard. But when I more I look at this, Nicodemus was going because he had such a passion, I believe, for what was taking place that something was happening. Those crowds begin to get in him. Whether he couldn't sleep or not, he went. Whether or not he. Was like I'm waiting all day long, see if it passes. But maybe it didn't pass by him. So when he got there, it was not. Maybe he was busy, and this is the first chance he got to go. Maybe a lot of things stopped him or tried to interrupt him from making. It, but however, no matter what story you got behind it, Nicodemus came to Jesus to get something deeper. No matter the way you look at it, whether he went just because it was night to save his reputation or that something got on the inside of him and he went. And there's a lot of negative ways to look at it, but I believe there's not a negative way in my mind because he went searching out for Jesus. And any time you search out for more Jesus, good things must happen. So we come to John 3, 1, and 10, 1 through 10. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, which means master teacher. He said, Master teacher, Rabbi. He said, we, know all, we, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb? And be born again. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. I love this part of the scripture. He said, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain How people are born of the Spirit. He said, there's some things, Nicodemus, you're a smart man. Some things you just can't explain, but you know it's real and you need to accept it. And then he said, how are these things possible? Nicodemus said, Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand these things. Now, there's more to it that we'll get to towards the end. But Nicodemus meant these words, all right? He meant these incredible words where he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. That's what Nicodemus said to Jesus. He said, your miraculous signs are evidence that God's with you. Not only did Nicodemus love the miraculous, but he loved the teachings of Jesus. Jesus was the the best storyteller. He was the, I mean, he could tell a parable, tell a story. He could use analogies in a way that would just blow your mind. And that's what he was doing with Nicodemus. But Jesus that day did not commit himself to anyone, and they were all amazed at his miracles. I believe the reason why sometimes we don't see the miracles we want to see is that we are more struck by the spectacular than the God of the spectacular. We are more struck by the miracle than the God of miracles. We are more struck by something amazing happened than God, the God of amazing things. And many times where we get the imitation is is that we're not connected to the God of all these things, which is relationship with God, which produces all those things. But when we get around the miracles and the great happening, we are like, man, that's awesome. But we never dig into the root of why all that is taking place. So many times we have what I call an imitation. We have a build-up mindset towards something, but not really connected to relationship. And the reason Jesus uses disciples the way that he did, they was with him all the time in relationship. Now, if you do a daily, I do a daily devotion, I journal, I write down things. That's me. That's how I connect with God at the end of the day. Sometimes I just get through it. Nothing spiritual about it. Could you imagine the disciples, you think every day was spiritual for them? No. I believe with all my heart that there was days, that can you believe he's still praying? I can't hang with Jesus. Not all the time. I mean, he's always saying spiritual things, and I don't always have spiritual things to say or think, and that's just human nature, but can you imagine, that's just like our daily devotion, but even though there was days, it didn't always feel heavenly, they still was in relationship with Jesus, just like we do our devotion. we go to church, we do all those things, we may not always feel Him, but we still get connected to all those things that bring in relationship, but out of that relationship, whether it's all's heavenly days, some's not, all that stuff, that God see it works great things through us, because of our connection of being close to God, and Him being on the throne of our heart and thus not have an imitation of God. So we get connected to the things of God and not to the God of things many times. Romans 1.25 says they traded the truth about God for a lie so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. Now let me go ahead and tell you this. Look, if you can look at that scripture, God wants you to enjoy life. God wants me to have a golf day that I haven't taken one in a long time. God wants me to enjoy fishing. He wants me to enjoy outdoors. He wants me to enjoy my family, the time with my family. You heard me say a moment ago, there's a time I made ministry God of my life. And during that time, I neglected my family and really neglected my relationship with God. And I wasn't the best person to be around. I've been there. That was like seven years ago. I can remember that. I remember that day. And I was like, finally come to realization. I said, I am trying too hard to get things done in my flesh. And nothing's getting done Ministry because all I'm focused on is ministry and everything else is neglected. But the moment I got back and said, This is just a thing that God allowed me to do, but I'm going to make it all about Him, and I can see it do the thing, but I'm not going to serve the thing, and it's not going to be on the throne of my heart, but I'm going to serve Him. Many times we can allow the things that God created, the things that God's given us. God likes for you to enjoy life. He gets pleasure. He created you to enjoy your family and life and vacation and work and all those things. But still yet, God is a jealous God and he wants to be on the throne of your heart. So that scripture to trade the truth about God for a lie so they worship and serve the things of God, the things God created instead of the creator himself. We do not want to find ourselves in that place. What happens when we do that? We get feelings in our flesh we shouldn't have. We get vile passions. We get get different things that begin to take place. And the Bible says this in that passage. It says when this begins to take place, that humanity gets full of every kind of wickedness. In other words, immorality and dishonorable living begins to happen. Settling for the imitation will cause you to be more religious than relational. There's a lot of people that are religious, but they're not relational. They know how to look like the church and act like the church and and sometimes talk like the church. But they are so far from being the church that Jesus died for because they're not in the right relationship. Who does the judge of that? I'm here preaching this stuff, and I'm telling on me. But only God knows the judge. He's the only one who can judge your heart and know your heart. He knows what's in you. According to what John 2 said, he knows. And I'm going to tell you this. You can't fool Him. He's going to commit to those that's really accurate. That's who he commits to. See, God never gives you something that he doesn't trust you with. When something comes in your life, it's because he trusts you. And he always starts with little things. And then he builds it up as you go. You see that in the life of the disciples. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that shattered the teaching of the Jews. What do you mean? Well, the Jews taught they thought that just because they're Jewish, they're going to heaven. No matter what, they're going to heaven. So they taught that Abraham would stand down at the gates of hell, and if anybody would get after they leave this world, would pass on, and they would accidentally go to the wrong gates. I know. I'm smiling too. But Abraham would be standing there. No, 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 child, you go to those gates. But he was telling them, you've got to be born again. That, that shattered everything because they said, just because I'm a Jew, I'm going to heaven. Just because I'm a Jew. This told him, I've got to do more. I've got to be born of the Spirit. I've got to receive what you had in your life, Jesus, into my life in order for this to happen. In other words, Jesus very politely and kindly was telling Nicodemus what was already on his heart. Nicodemus was tired of the rules and the regulations. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He made up rules for the church. He was the church. But he said, none of this is what you have, and what you have is what I need. But his mind, something spiritual was taking place with him, and his mind kept wanting to revert back to the rules and regulations, but his spirit kept saying, "I, I need relation with Jesus. I need what he has because what he has is real and it's genuine. What I have, you know, it's just a system. It's like getting up, going to work, brushing your teeth, getting in the car and driving to work and working all day, going home, doing the things you've got to do at the house, with the kids to bed, all the school stuff, sports stuff, go to bed. I mean, we just do that stuff without even thinking. We just do it. Don't even think about it. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to pick up the kids, right? So somebody's got to take care of it. And who's got them today? Good old Fred. You see them? Well, you know so, I know how y'all like, listen. I got one. I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it with two, then three. Hallelujah! The summer church got four. I think I don't think they had five. I might be wrong, <laughs> but anyways, I'm like, how do you do it? But all that we do, just because we do it, that's what they did over here. But there was no connection, to relationship to the genuineness of God over here. And in that moment, when Jesus, you gotta be born again. He began to wrestle with the way he was raised from a kid to a teenager to a young adult what he taught all his life. And now he was going to have to make a change in his life to be connected to real relationships. That's what we call soulish thinking. Soulish thinking is just your mind and your emotions. It will fight against your spirit, which is over here pulling you. But over here, you're saying, I can't do that. I wasn't raised that way. I don't believe that. I see it in Scripture. I just don't believe that way. I can't do that. I can't. I, I, but I feel there's more for me over here. But then your mind starts so battling. I just, you know, I care about what man thinks. And, you know, one of the worst things you can do is work, be worried about what everybody else thinks. It does matter what people think. You need to have a good reputation. Don't get it wrong. But when it comes to worship and you serving God, Heard something the other night at worship night with uh, Stephen. He said this beginning of service. His prayer was this, and I never heard a prayed like this. I said, "Oh, that's cool." He said, "All right, let's well, all pray this." So we all repeated this prayer. Just trust him. We'll say the right things. He said, "I'm not going to worry about what man thinks. I'm just going to worship God." Something like that. It's not verbatim, but something like that. I was like, "That's cool," because a lot of times we worry about what other people think. Thinks when it comes to our relationship with God. Nicodemus was having a war about what everybody was going to think. Because now he's about to make a sudden change in his life. But what's more important than connecting? He's an old man, wise man, done the same thing for years, high up in the Sanhedrin corner. But spiritually, something's drawing him over here to get closer to God. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, you, you, you've had an earthly birth, but you are going to be born again. Yeah, that speaks of salvation, but also... That speaks of our discipleship as we grow in Christ. Because as we grow in Christ, we see more things in the Scripture that begins to challenge us. And then we see things happen in experience, in worship experiences, or in church services, or in our devotion time that doesn't match up everything that we was raised in. So then we're sitting there reading it, and and we know there's drawing to it. But our mind's saying, well, they told me that I can't do that, or I shouldn't do that when I was raised. That's what we war against every day. but Jesus came to bring new life he, in which he would be preeminent in other words he was surpassing everything he said i'm basically surpassing everything that you've ever been taught nicodemus i'm before them and i will be after them i am The term born again actually means to be born from above. And this is where we get the term new life or a bigger word for regeneration, to belong to a heavenly kingdom. You must be born into it. And Nicodemus was a religious leader, a Pharisee, an educated man, an earnest man. But all outward appearance said that he was transformed into God because that's the way they looked at godliness. And holiness is the way you look. But Jesus told him many times it don't have nothing to do with the way you look. It has to do with what's on the inside of you. Because what's in you is what defiles a man. Because what comes out of you, what's in you, comes out of you because of defiling you. It's not all this outward stuff. You have everybody fooled here. But you don't fool Jesus. He basically told them that. See, moral religious reform isn't enough. We've got to be born again. We've got to have a real relationship with Jesus. Here's your one. Back when I was 25 or 26, when I was young and dumb. And... uh, see it sometimes. I feel that way, but I was definitely there that time. I was just pastoring for a youth group somewhere. Aside. I didn't realize we was going to an old school holiness church. That's cool. Didn't know. They invited us. I said, they know what they're inviting. We had a drama team. Uh, young men, young ladies on the way. Young ladies wore jeans. I said, this is what you do. They're in church. They're loving Jesus. There's nothing that says that they can't wear jeans in Bible, okay? So I was like, let's talk about this, okay? This guy comes up to me and he's like, you know, they should be wearing, you know. I knew where he was worn. I was like, and I shouldn't have done it. But once again, I'm not perfect. and I was young and dumb, strong head. I went, no, go ahead and tell me. He begins to tell me they should have on dresses and all this. And I said, they're in church serving the Lord. Been in the presence of God. I said, you know, he said, you know what the Bible says? I do, I do. I said, yeah, we should be like Jesus. We're like Jesus. Is that what you're saying? He went, yeah. And he bought totally, and I went, where's your sandals and robe? You're lacking that tonight, and I was like, "Stupid me." Years later, I like, should never said anything, but I was like, "Man, that's crazy!" But that's called religious form, what transformed to look like God. But what really was mattering is what was on the inside of their heart. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, "This." He said, "The wind blows where it wishes." Jesus, I did to Nicodemus was this: You understand everything about the wind, but you, 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 and you see its effects. You even hear it but you actually don't see the wind or where it comes from. You only see its effects, and you only hear it. In other words, Jesus being been the great storyteller that he is. He said, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, you see me working in me with the miracles. That's what's got you here. You may not know where it all comes from, but you know it's real because you can feel it, and you've seen it happen as people have been healed. Amen. So something began to intrigue Nicodemus. And that's when you probably begin to set in like an aha moment. You're right. I, I don't know where the wind exactly comes from, but I see the effects of it. And I've seen the effects of the wind of the Holy Spirit from your life. So there's got to be something real. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to know that he didn't have to understand everything about the new birth before he experienced it. Sometimes we want to figure it all out before we experience it all. But what God wants us to do is if there's a moment of experience there, God will give you an experience, and then after the experience, he gives you a teaching moment. That's what he did with Nicodemus. He had an experience. Then he went from the experience, and he began the teaching because he came back for more. There's many things God did in my life before I had the word in me to know what was happening, but every time God did that and I would grow in that, I'd go back to the Word and I'd find it. It would make so much more sense since I had now experienced it. But when you're looking at it in the Scripture and you're seeing it all out there, and you see it happen around you and in the church and all that, you're like, but I haven't experienced it. It's just words on paper. But the moment you experience it and then you get into the words, the words come out of it, become raiment in you and begins to quicken your spirit as it did for Nicodemus. Some of you have to accept what God's doing because you can feel it and part of it. Don't allow your soulish part, your mind, will, and emotions, defeat what God's trying to do in your life. Hear this: it if it's not in Scripture, and we can't back it up, then it's not God. You just had a crazy experience. Maybe you ate the wrong food. I don't know. But Nicodemus did not question the wind of the anointing or the Holy Spirit on Jesus' life. If this is the same when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life, we don't need to question it. We have to handle the Holy Spirit tenderly. What do you mean by that? It's very easily. You can very easily quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit of God in your daily living, daily life, or even in church, tenderly. The Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman. When he comes, it's always subtle. He doesn't take you and just grab you and shake you and sling you around the room against the walls and all that. No, he comes, and as your discipleship goes, and you grow in God, the more he shows up in your life. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.